You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's C. Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, along with Nathan Marzian. You can follow Nathan on Twitter and Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Uh, and being joined now by Bucks legend, former Bucks play-by-play announcer, Ted Davis of the championship uh, Milwaukee Bucks from never even getting close to the NBA playoffs to calling an NBA finals and NBA championship. Uh, Ted Davis joins us now in the two-year anniversary uh, of this team making their run. Ted, how you doing? What you been up to? You know what, Sparky? I'm doing fine. Um, living here in Texas and uh, in the best part of Texas. I'm right in the Texas Hill Country and uh, having a great time. So uh, thanks for asking me to be on. Well, I love having you on. And Nathan Marzian, our guy, uh, posted a video. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter or not. The uh, famous Drew Holiday steal. Giannis finish in Phoenix on the other end. But before we get to that, I want to kind of go back. Like uh, if you can remember back uh, then uh, going into that season, where was your head at going into that season? Were you thinking, all right, this team's ready to make that run now finally to kind of win this thing? Or when was it during the season where you were kind of convinced that maybe they were actually going to make a run? Uh, After they won game seven against the Nets. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was that late. I, I believe it. That, that series was was tough. You know, I look, I knew going in that they had some scars from the previous season. I mean, you know, 2019, they should have gone to the NBA Finals. They were up 2-0 against Toronto, and then we know what happened. Kawhi Leonard took over, and it didn't happen. And then they went the next year in 2020. It was the COVID year. They went to the bubble, and look, they got distracted. They did. I mean, George Hill and all that crap that yep. was going on, they lost their focus on basketball, and the Miami Heat kicked their ass. So we go into the 2021 playoffs, and I was worried about Miami. I will say this. When they beat Miami in four, I was like, okay, well, this this team is pretty serious. However, you're going to play the Nets, and you don't have home court advantage. So you go on the road and you're playing Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I didn't think they could beat them in a seven-game series. And this is where Lady Luck, Kismet, rubbing chicken bones together, (laughs) whatever it takes, this is where Luck starts to take over. So I'm doing that first game, and, the the, you know, it's tipped off. 30 seconds into the game, James Harden leaves with a hamstring injury. Actually, he re-injured his hamstring. Right. I'm like, well, okay. Well, then, all right, now he's he's down. Well, you lose that first game. Then you go into the second game, and you get your ass kicked. 
They're down like 50. And they go down 0-2. And what we didn't know is apparently after that game, there was like this come-to-Jesus meeting in the locker room where a lot of players and some of the and one of the owners in particular, I think it was Mark Lassery, who has since cashed out, who bigger and better things, came in and said, what the F is going on here? And Drew Holiday and a couple of other guys, I think Brooke and Giannis, went to Budenholzer and said, well, the way we're playing defense isn't working. And Holiday, I think in particular, said, let us try something different. And they did. So they came back home and they won the next two. Okay, so now it's 2-2. You go back to Brooklyn for game five. And I still remember this distinctly. I'm calling the game when I thought Kevin Durant had hit a three for the win. Uh, Actually, it's game six. Was that game six? That was was game seven. Game seven, yeah. Yeah, that was game seven. Yep. All right, you you lose game five because Durant has this huge game in Brooklyn, like 49 points. Then you win game six and you go to game seven. So I'm calling this play in game seven where I think Durant has hit a three-pointer, a game winner. And as has been so many times in Milwaukee sports history, this is a kick to the nuts, right? Yeah. You're going, okay, yeah, nets are going on. And then all of a sudden you realize the referees are looking at it and he had not won toe, but both toes on the line. And the backstory of this is incredible because he wears a size 17 shoe on the street, but because he likes a little more roomsy for his toesies, (laughs) he wears a size 18 on the court. So weird. (laughs) Like, could you ever imagine walking around with a full-size, bigger shoe? Like, that would drive me nuts. Nonetheless, playing a basketball game with a full-size, bigger shoe on? Oh, my God. Well, I've talked to I've talked to NBA players, and a lot of times their toes get crunched in their shoes. If you look at NBA players' toes, they're ugly. They are. <laughs> they get crunched up, and they just get beat up. So he liked a little more room in his shoe. So, okay, now they go to overtime. And I don't know if you remember, Chris Middleton took over, and – Giannis did a couple yep. of things. Drew Holiday, who had been terrible, hit a big three. And you win game seven. And and here's the beautiful thing. At the same time, Philadelphia was screwing the pooch again, <laughs> losing at home to the Atlanta Hawks. So now, all of a sudden, instead of having to go on the road to play Philadelphia, you have home court advantage. You're playing Atlanta, a lower-seeded team. And, and then, uh, I mean, we all live this, right? Okay. Atlanta wins game one in Milwaukee. <laughs> Which was common in the playoffs for this team to lose game ones. <laughs> so you go, okay, what the heck? So you, you, you go to, you win game two, you win game three. And we all remember the moment in, get, the moment in game four when you thought, okay, this whole damn thing is over. Giannis goes up with that block shot, comes down. The knee is not meant to bend that way. And on any other human being other than somebody made of elastic, his knee is gone. Not only for that series, but maybe for the next year and maybe for his career. I distinctly remember coming uh, the next day 
waiting for the MRI result, right? We all were. And when you see an injury like that, it, it's okay. You hope for the best, but expect the worst, right? When it came back, no structural damage. I was stunned. Me too. Yeah. And then, and then here, so then he only misses two games. Uh, it's just incredible. But in that period, they still had to go and beat the Atlanta Hawks. So I, I, remember, I don't remember game six, what the halftime score was. The Bucks were down. And Chris Middleton had his moment. Game three, uh, game, game six, uh, third quarter. Scored 23 points in the third quarter. Just couldn't miss. And Jeff Teague, who really did nothing for the Bucks in that playoff run, had a big game in that game. Iconic, three, iconic Jeff three, Teague three, game. Three pointers that were huge. And the Bucks go on and they beat the Atlanta Hawks. So now we're off to the finals. And they go out to Phoenix and they lose the first two games. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this. When you look back on it, it seems so improbable. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, they come home, they win game three. And in, in game four, which would have been 3-1 Phoenix if they won, Giannis has the block on a huge play. I mean, just enormous. So uh, they, they win that game. Now we get to the what we're celebrating today. Um, July 17th, 2021. They go to Phoenix. Close game. That play that you're talking about and the one that Nathan retweeted today, and I, I think it's the biggest play in Bucks history. I think it's bigger than the block in game four, as big as that was. Because what that play did is it allowed you to win at home in game six and not have to go back to Phoenix for game seven. That's as big as it gets. The Bucks are up one, shot clock's off, Booker's bringing it up. You know he's going to have the ball. They got P.J. Tucker on him, which shows the versatility of Tucker. He can guard anybody. So Booker goes into the lane, chicken wings, as he always does. Chicken wings again. Giannis comes over to help. So they've got him blocked off, and he picks up the dribble. Well, Holiday is such an instinctive, smart player. He realizes I can leave my man right now, and he's going to have to spin out. And when he did, Holiday was right there with his long arms, strong hands, to rip it away. And that's what I said. Holiday rips it away. And I looked up 13 seconds to go. Shot clock's off. I'm thinking he's going to pull it out 
as you would think he would. But if you remember, as I look back on that play and you look at the highlights, as Giannis takes off with those big, long giraffe steps that he takes, he gives like a subtle finger to Holiday, like, throw it up. And I, I think I think you can kind of hear the surprise in my voice when Holiday is lobbing it to the rim, and I thought it was too damn high. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Pull it out. They're going to foul you. Well, he Giannis, there's no, there's nothing too high for Giannis. He catches it. Chris Paul actually committed a flagrant foul on him, but he dunks it anyway. So you had the slam, the strip, the slam, and the stare because Giannis did the stare. Now you're up three, okay? You yeah. would have been up two with, you know, it, it, now you would have been up three. If he hits the two free throws, you're up three. Now you're up 122-119 with Giannis going to the line. Now, if you remember what happened after that, Giannis missed the free throw. The ball goes down in the middle of the lane, and there's a scrum for it. And I swear it was Drew Holiday who got a hand in there and tapped it out back toward where Giannis was standing. Giannis could have grabbed it, but here's an awareness of Giannis. He realizes, I, I don't want to shoot this free throw. And you remember who was right behind him? Chris Middleton. He taps it to Chris Middleton, who's a 90% free throw shooter. And even though Chris missed one, he made one. Now you're up four. Game over. Series over. Really, I think that play won the championship. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, uh, Ted. First of all, first off, just great to have you on. Great to talk to you on on this uh, anniversary of, as you said, the the greatest play in Bucks history and the one that basically won them the title. Um, I wanted to ask: Was that your favorite call you've ever had on the Giannis alley oop? And when you have a call like that, is it one that you know instantly, like, oh, I nailed that one? Like, or do you have to listen to it afterwards and really appreciate it later? Well, you think you nailed it. I mean, all of the experience that I had, you know, 3,000 games and all of that, I think it comes into play where you know you're going to nail it, but you want to make sure. And when I went back and listened to it, I was I was on the border of my voice breaking, which you don't want to do, uh, but I, I it didn't. I, you know, it was close, but then I gathered myself and said 122, 119 bucks, holiday makes the play. And, uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of that call. Um, I, I think it's the most impactful call that I've had in 3000 games. And I was just blessed to be there to do it. And I always joke with people now that Michael Jordan and I have something in common. We've never lost in the finals. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Nicely played. What was your thoughts? I want to go back to that net series. What was your thoughts during that net series? as the TNT guys were absolutely destroying Bud uh, for his coaching in that series. Uh, And obviously once he came out of that series, then everybody kind of chilled out uh, and laid off of Bud a little bit. But what did you think of, of how they were kind of going after him? Well, he made adjustments and that was the criticism against Bunos. And I think it was deserved coming out of the Toronto series a couple of years before where he kind of stuck with his regular season thing even into the Eastern Conference Finals, where I thought he was going too deep into his uh, lineup. He was still playing 10 guys. Yeah. And I always remember Pat Riley, one of the greatest coaches ever, 
said at playoff time, you knew you need to identify your top eight players and go with them. Maybe nine if, if you have foul trouble or if somebody gets hurt, but you got to go with your guys. And I remember Giannis was still, Bud was still treating Giannis's minutes like regular season minutes. Sure was. So no, you need to have your best players on the floor at the biggest times. So that was a legitimate criticism of Bud Budenholzer, I thought. So now, after that game two in Brooklyn, I think there was a, like I said, I think there was a come to Jesus meeting. Like, come on, we need to do something different. I don't, I don't know the X's and O's of it, but I do know that Holiday and Giannis and Brooke Lopez and P.J. Tucker, great defenders, started playing defense a little bit differently. I think they started switching more where they could trust if Holiday switches out on this guy or Giannis switches out on this guy or Tucker switches out on this guy or Lopez comes up and shows a little bit more, he could still get back to the rim. They all did. They, I mean, it worked. And that's, I think that's why they won the championship. Yeah, and, and Ted, did that, you know, we saw them make those adjustments in that 2021 playoff run defensively. They even did it in the Miami series a little bit, putting Giannis on Jimmy Butler and really, you know, they really just dominated that series uh, after that. And did that make it even more surprising and disappointing to you that, you know, this past season they didn't do that against the Heat? You know, it was, it, it was Drew Holiday on Jimmy Butler a lot and they didn't really do much to change that. They didn't kind of put, they didn't really ever play Giannis on him full time. Um, was that something that, you know, stood out to you that, that you kind of noticed that they, they probably should have done differently and, you know, just your thoughts on the, the playoff loss this year. Well, it's embarrassing to lose in the first round the way they did. I mean, come on, that's just, that's unacceptable. And that's why Boot knows it was gone. Now I, I can defend him on putting Drew Holiday on Jimmy Butler. Drew Holiday is a great defensive player, but I will say that once a guy goes off like that and he, he's just, he's rolling, then yeah, you need to do something different. And maybe try Giannis or, or a double team. You know, I mean, take the ball out of his hands and make somebody else beat you. And it, it didn't happen. And that's why Budenholzer is no longer here. You know, the, the one thing about th- this whole deal with the Bucks is, you know, you had opportunities to pretty much get who you wanted, I think, to be the next Bucks head coach. And they did something um, that I really didn't think they would do. I mean, Nathan Marzian and I here doing green and growing. We're talking about Bucks coaching candidates and and uh, Adrian Griffin and Adrian Griffin, right? It was kind of throwaway. Yeah, and Adrian Griffin. They're not hiring Adrian Griffin to come in and coach this team. That's ready to go win a championship and give him a first time head coaching job. They did. Former Bucks player, former Bucks coach, obviously. And then he hires. Blows my mind. Then he hires former Bucks head coach Terry Stotts, former yep. assistant and interim head coach in Joe Prunty. In my time, I can never remember two former head coaches coming back to be assistants for another guy later on in the same organization. That just blows my mind how that whole thing worked out. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think when Prunty was here, he was kind of known for um, some offensive ingenuity. He drew up kids' plays out of timeouts, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And Terry Stotts really was an offensive guy, too. Right. Now, I don't know who's going to coach defense. I mean, I think they'll still be pretty good because they've got the, the, the big three of Giannis, Lopez, and Holiday coming back. But, look, you know, I kind of go back to when John Hammond drafted Giannis and said, okay, this is kind of a swing for the fence pick. 
well, maybe this is a swing for the fence pick with Adrian Griffin. It's it's not what a lot of people thought they would do, which would go for an established coach. Will it work? I don't know. But I think John Horst has hooked his, his wagon to Griffin. If it doesn't work, then he'll be gone. Yeah, and, and Ted, what are your overall thoughts on – the off season this season, like did, you know, they changed the coach, but they didn't change much of the roster. They kept the big, you know, the core four together, which in and of itself is a win. You know, they kept Brooke, they kept Chris, those guys could have gone, they could have left, but they, they got them back. And that's a, that's definitely a win, but you know, they haven't really changed much. Do you believe that this core and, and this basically same team with a new coach is good enough to win another title because it's a you know it's a pretty big debate right now. It, people saying, well, they did it to just two years ago. You know, they definitely can still win a title. And there's people that just think, you know, with Holiday's struggles in the playoffs offensively, they're it's just they're going to need to move him. They're going to need to make some type of upgrade there. Or they need to make some big changes. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't mind Drew Holiday coming back. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. Uh, if he had a rough playoff series last year, I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, Brooke Lopez is the best rim protector in the in the league, and he had you know he was healthy last year. You still have Giannis. I think Chris Middleton still has a lot of game left. Uh, you hope for some internal improvement. I think uh, Marjan has a chance. I mean, I've, I've looked at him a little bit in the summer league, and kid's got talent. I mean, I, I think he I think he could be an unexpected this year. So I don't mind running it back one more time. I mean, if it doesn't work this year, then okay. Then you may have problems. And by the way, if it doesn't work this year, you may have problems in terms of Giannis looking at something else. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So you got two years left on this thing. And the way this all lines up, like you said, you know, Giannis has two years and then his deal is up. Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Middleton, this whole thing, you've got a two-year window. Now, when Brett Favre, Went to two Super Bowls and won one. Everybody's like, man, I cannot believe they only got one with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Brett Favre. Then comes Aaron Rodgers. He gets the one. He wins one. He never even gets back to his second one. So now we're going on about 35 years with two Hall of Fame players and two Super Bowls. And there is some disappointment, I would say, from Packer fans that they were only able to get two with two Hall of Fame players. Do you think there will be disappointment from Bucks fans if when all is said and done, the Bucs only end up with one finals appearance and one championship with Giannis. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the way fans are. They want more. And I, I understand that. But the last two years shows you how difficult it is to win a championship. You got to be good, but you got to be lucky too. In 2021, Lady Luck 
luck be a lady tonight. I mean, they is Frank Sinatra, man. They were they were shining on the Bucks all the way through everything. So then you go into the next season, and Chris Middleton gets hurt. Well, okay, you can't win. Giannis got hurt last year, and he was out. I don't think he was ever fully healthy. But bad luck. So what's going to happen this year? Will luck shine on you again? You know, the odds are against you. It's kind of like winning the lottery. So we'll see. Now, do you think you mentioned, you know, Giannis, if, if they don't win this year, if they don't win the next couple of years, it might it might pave the way for Giannis to potentially, you know, want to leave. It's after at that point, you know, the guys, multiple guys contracts are up and it, it, that might be an avenue for Giannis to leave. Do you th- see that as realistic and happening or do you see that as something that you um, like truly believe might happen or because to me, I was telling Sparky this at this, you know, if they don't win the title this year. Um, this this next coming season, they will actually on draft night next year have three first round picks to trade along with you know the expiring contract of Brooke Lopez and then Drew, Drew Holiday has a player option but he'd be going into his last year you could potentially trade his contract and so I think next year there is an avenue to make a splash if they want to if they if things don't work out again this year and they all of a sudden say okay we've got to make some big trade there is an avenue to do that on draft night next year and you know potentially try to keep Giannis around by getting the next best player, the next guy to go alongside him. I don't know who that is, but it would be some, you know, some star player that you can get next, um, next summer. Um, you know, what just, what do you think the likelihood of, you know, this thing working out and Giannis being here long-term? I think the coach hiring was a good sign in that they hired the guy Giannis wanted. They listened to him, you know, that, that that's what was reported. So, you know, how, how good do you feel about Giannis being here long-term as of right now? Well, I think Giannis is a loyal guy. I really do. I think, or, by the way, he's he's the most likable superstar in all of sports. Agreed. And we're very lucky to have him. Uh, he's not sullen, moody, angry, pissed off all the time. He's a happy spirit. And I think he wants to stay here. I do. But if he gets down to the end of this contract and Miami comes along and makes him a ton, you know, big offer or New York or LA, he might be tempted to go to a bigger market and I wouldn't blame him. You know, he, he, he did what he did here. He won a championship here 50 years, man. He won it. And a lot of guys go chase championships at the end of their careers. That, that's what happens. So would I be shocked if he left? No. Would I would I be shocked if he stayed, given his personality? No. I think I think it's all dependent on what happens in the next couple of years. If he believes he can still win a championship here, I think he will finish his career here. But if they slide back a little bit, then I wouldn't blame him one little bit for looking over the fence. Talking with Ted Davis, uh, former Milwaukee Bucks play-by-play announcer, Bucks legend forever and ever, calling the NBA Finals Championship for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and don't forget to download Green and Growing Podcast on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Also, you can check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page where we live stream these each and every time uh, we do them nowadays. I, I want to go back to when they drafted Giannis and you <laughs> and I having the conversation after they drafted him. And I'm like, I'll learn this dude's name if he actually is anything. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to call him Giannis and we'll move forward. And you were trying to figure out how to say his name on draft night and the whole deal. And I had John Hammond and Billy McKinney on multiple times. And John Hammond's like, look, man, 
you know, if you, you can't hit a home run if you don't swing for it, and we're not going to get a free agent to come here and play in Milwaukee, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. LeBron's not coming to Milwaukee or whoever at that point was. Right. Uh, so you got to take you got to take a swing sometimes, and we'll see. Because my thing to John Hammond at that point was, dude, this is kind of like the E. G. On Leon pick of Larry Harris when he drafted him in that draft where the Bucks got screwed. They had the third worst record in that draft and they should have had a top three pick. And instead it's the only year where the top three picks slide out of the top three and down to four, five and six. And they end up with Yee instead of what should have been probably uh, Al Horford to play next to Bogut forever. Um, and he takes E and he tells, tells me, Oh, you got to do what's best for the organization. Most upside. I'm like, you're going to get yourself fired over this. What are you doing? He's like, it's not about me. It's about the organization. Said the same thing to John. Obviously it worked out. When we had a big show, tried multiple times. I tried. Gary Ellerson tried to get John Hammond on um, after the Bucks won with Giannis and everything else, and he didn't want any part of the spotlight or anything having to do with anything. And now, obviously, it looks like he's taking a step back down in Orlando from the GM role and kind of not fully retired, but kind of taking a step back. I think John Hammond deserves a ton of credit for the, how this whole thing played out, not only for Giannis, but also for getting Chris Middleton. And I know he was the only player that worked in the trade financially or whatever, but either way, he still got Middleton in that deal. Uh, and he, you know, he's really never around to take the credit, but he deserves a lot of credit. Ted. Yeah. I mean, he got, he got Middleton. Look, okay. It was the throw in, but it worked. Yep. Okay. So you got lucky with Giannis. You got lucky with Middleton. Hey, that's life. Sometimes. Um, John Hammond is the nicest person I've ever met in the NBA. Seriously. Uh, the NBA is replete with um, guys who are a-holes, especially on the GM side. Um, little story about John Hammond. I had my golden retriever, my favorite. And, and John was a dog guy. He loved his dogs. So through John McLaughlin, he found out that my beloved golden retriever passed away. One morning, I'm sitting at home after my dog died, and the phone rings, and it's John Hammond calling to tell me how sorry he was that my dog died. I knew GMs that wouldn't call my wife if I died. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So anyway, John Hammond was the nicest human being I've ever been around. I'm seriously. So, but I remember that night. I was sitting at the Cousins Center in 2013 for the draft and the Bucks had the 15th pick and Dennis Krause and I are sitting next to each other and we're watching the screen. And I remember David Stern, big asshole, by the way, <laughs> came out and said with the 15th pick in the 2013 draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select, I don't even remember how he said it. He killed and it. They put the, they put the graphic up on the screen and I went, holy crap. <laughs> what is that? I looked at Dennis and I go, I, do you know this guy? He goes, I don't know who the guy is. I said, well, crap, we're going to have to learn how to say that. <laughs> and I said at that moment, I said, it looks like the damn alphabet. Yeah. 
And in his rookie year, that's what I called him, the alphabet. Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember. You know, and in his rookie year, I saw more E.G. and in than what he became. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Because he was so skinny, so young. He's 18. I remember one time, this is fitting because it all came full circle. We went out to play in Phoenix in his rookie year, and they had P.J. Tucker on the team for the Suns. And P.J. Tucker guarded Giannis and beat the crap out of him. Moved him wherever he wanted to go on the floor. Giannis just got pushed around, beat up. He had a horrible game. And I think at, at some point Giannis realized, okay, I got to get stronger. And this is what you don't know, and this is what we didn't know in 2013, is that Giannis had the heart of a superstar, which is I don't want to just be good. I want to be great. And he worked for it. And I know Jason Kidd got a lot of crap when he was here. And I think he made some mistakes. But one of the best things he did was finally, when that 33 and 49 season was going nowhere, toss the keys to Giannis and say, you kind of be the point guard. You do your thing. And set up a meeting with Giannis, Jason Kidd, and Kobe Bryant outside of the locker room in one of those rooms at the Bradley Center. It was Kobe's last appearance in Milwaukee. Weirdly enough, it was Giannis's first triple-double that night. And after the game, in that room, there was Kidd, Giannis, and Kobe. And Kobe Bryant said to Giannis, you have all the talent you need to be a superstar. The question is, how hard do you want to work for it? And he's looking at those two guys, Kidd and Kobe, who got to where he wanted to be, which is a Hall of Famer. And I think I think I think the work ethic was already there, but I honestly think that at that point, a just that word from Kobe that you can be as good as you want to be if you work for it, it really clicked in, and he's never let up. It's an amazing story. Now I want to ask, as you know, as someone who basically saw almost every Giannis play live, do you have a favorite one? Do you have one that stands out above the rest? We're gonna I'll, I'll exclude final stuff because that obviously stands out a little bit. The fifty point game, the dunk, the block. Um, is there is there anything else that stands out as your favorite Giannis moment? I would, for me, I would probably say the dunk over Tim Hardaway. Oh no, um, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Tackling Dunleavy in the corner and that Bulls blowout of the Bucks <laughs> is my favorite. I don't care what you say. And now that dude's a freaking GM. That makes it even sweeter. That was awesome. All right, I'm. Sorry. You know what? You know what's funny about Mike Dunleavy? He's actually a likable guy. I liked him when he was with us. He played at Duke. I can't. But he's kind of like Zaza Pachulia. If he's on the other team, you hate him. Yeah, probably true. And he's like that. But but that series, you're right. He was throwing he was throwing punches at people's heads. (laughs) (laughs) Giannis just had enough, and he tackled him. Um, I would I would say there there are three. They're like. Oh, there are a couple of them. I remember uh, the, the, the dunk over Tim Hardaway was incredible. The winning shot in New York. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that was sort of the moment where you realized, oh, man, this guy's got some stones on him. Um, I remember the a play against Portland where it looked like the game was over, and he comes down and bats the way from C.J. McCollum. Yeah. And somehow from midcourt to the rim, he only – had one dribble to win the game. 
And there was another one, I think it was against Sacramento. There was a fast break where he's on the right wing running as hard as he can run. And I remember he caught the ball maybe one step inside of the three-point line and didn't take a dribble to dunk it. And everybody, I remember the Kings bench stood up like, that's got a traveling. They were given the traveling sign. And I thought it was too. And then they showed the replay, and somehow he did that. <laughs> it wasn't traveling. He has, the, he has giraffe steps. It was the biggest steps I've ever seen a human being take. So, you know, I, I, yeah. And, you know, I look back at even in that rookie year when he was, you know, getting pushed around, there were moments when you would go, holy crap, that, that was spectacular. He just didn't do it that often in his rookie year. And then by the time he fully developed and went from 180 pounds to 260, and it was all muscle, where he was what I called a battering ram, they couldn't stop him. So I, I, I'm really grateful that I got to see that development. And uh, that the, the fact that he hasn't been changed by money and fame, because I've seen it happen, and it's rarely for the better, is, is really good to see. Yeah, no doubt. And that is, I think, the one thing that stands out the most is he really hasn't changed. I mean, he's no. kind of still the same dude as he was when he got here, you know, getting a ride in a limo or going to get a, what was it, a slushy or whatever that he discovered? Smooth, smoothie. A smoothie, yeah, smoothie, smoothie and checking out Walmart and all these other fun stories. John, that's the other thing. John Hammond taught the man how to drive a car, Ted <laughs> Davis. What GM yes. does that for their player? Yes, he didn't know how to drive. He bought a car. And so John Hammond in the parking lot of the cousin center yep. taught him how to drive. That's just nuts. <laughs> that is such a, that just tells you how great of a dude John Hammond was back in the day. He's still a great dude. We're talking like he's dead. He's still a great dude. But again, back when he was the GM of the box, just all the cool stuff. And I can tell you John Hammond's story. Some blue in the face as well. Just a, a really good person. No doubt. Nathan Marzion, that was fun talking with Ted Davis, living uh, living back. And this was all inspired by Nathan's tweet of the video. I was like, oh, we should get Ted on. Let me text Ted and see if he'll come on and kind of live it back all over again. Ted, thanks so much for coming on. Follow him on Twitter at NBA Ted. He is the best. Ted Davis, thank you so much, my friend. Really appreciate it. That'll do it for another edition of Green and Growing. We will talk to you next time, everyone. 